I want to thank y'all for being here this morning. I know we're still kind of short on some people. Like Tommy said, we still got people out there that they don't want to get out yet. They're still staying in. And we've got some that's under the weather and puny and everything. So, But y'all keep the church in prayer and everything. And uh, especially, I'd like to say something, and I hope it's really not out of line. But uh, I would like for us to keep Julio's wife, Elisa, in prayer. She found out the other day that her cancer has spread and uh, it is going to the brain. Uh, Ted and I went over to uh, Julio's house yesterday and uh, had prayer with Julio, talked with him, and uh, but he told me this morning that he talked to Lisa and said that even through the prayer said that she was laughing, talking, going on. She said I've just totally put it in God's hands. So you know God is a miracle working God. Uh, we don't understand. It's kind of like what Gene was saying there. We don't understand. But the whole thing the whole thing is, is trusting in God. God understands. God knows. And we have to put our faith in Him. That's what He wants. Just like we've said many times in our services, without faith we cannot please God. But when He sees that faith, Nothing is impossible for him. So y'all please keep Julio, his family, Elisa. Y'all keep her in prayer. And uh, I think we're going to see a miracle from God take place. And uh, I, I know whenever Ted and I was over there yesterday, I felt a presence in that room. Julio said that he felt a presence. And Julio has just put his faith in God, put everything in God's hands. And that's the only way we can really do it is, God, you're in charge. So, and I talked to uh, Betty Luna. Yesterday was Betty's birthday. Uh, she wants everybody to know that she misses you. She hopes to get back real soon and everything. She is feeling better, but the doctors are not. Her immune system is just really bad. And the doctors are telling her to stay in, don't get out among people with what's going on. So she's even got her sisters and so forth doing grocery shopping and this and that for her so she don't have to get out. So y'all keep Betty in prayer. And uh, just a number of them, Frances Howarth, 96 years old, and her kids want her to stay home. And uh, so there's just a number of us out there that uh, still were staying in. And, but, so anyways, this morning, uh, I want to talk to you just about something. It's, uh, it's my, the title of my message is Scriptural. Matter of fact, it's Matthew 24, 12. And he says, The love of many will grow cold. What's he talking about? The love of many who's in church right now. Their love will go cold. Their hearts are going to change. Why? Because they don't really have God in their life. They haven't really accepted Christ. They're playing a game. And they're going to lose at that game. You've got to be serious with Christ. When Christ went to the cross, he was very serious about what he did. You're going to have to be serious about your relationship with God, trusting in God, believing in God, believing God's word, knowing when he makes a promise, just call it done. That's what God does. God will not lie. He's a God that cannot lie. 
what God has promised will be done. You know, a lot of people say, well, I don't know about that. You know, I've prayed and prayed. But you know, God, God has a stipulation to his promises. He says, if. You know, it's a little two-letter word, but when you look at it in Scripture, it's a giant word. God says, I will do what I say I will do if you will do what I tell you to do. So when we follow God's word, we honor God, we do what God has asked us to do, he says, I will do what I say I'll do. So it's really up to us as to whether God's word is fulfilled in our life or not. And we don't think about that. Well, God said it, so I guess that's, I mean, he said he'd do it. But we're not reading the whole word. If, that little word, if, becomes a bit, like I said, it becomes a giant word in God's word. If you will do what I have commanded you to do, then I will do what I said I would do. So it's, in, it's up to us as to where God fulfills scripture and his word in our life or not. He wants to. That's the thing about it. He wants to. But sometimes through our doubt and fears, we hamper God in doing what he wants to do. You know, Israel hampered God in doing what he wanted to do for them. How did, they, well, how did Israel hamper, you know, hamper God from, from doing what he wanted to? It said they doubted God. They doubted him. What, is, what does the word say? I, I said it last week. Whoever doubts God, let them not think they shall receive anything. Doubt will keep God from working in your life. Our, our doubting God will keep him from doing things in your life. Well, God... I know I, I don't know if you'll do it or not. No. God, I'm thanking you right now for fulfilling my promise. I have no doubts. I know that you will keep your word for I am doing what you told me to do. We have to trust in God to do what he says he'd do and the only way that trust works is through faith. Through faith in believing that God will do what he says he'll do. But like I said, the love of many will grow cold. And a lot of us are thinking, why? My love for God would never grow cold. I look around in this church right now, and there's some people who used to come here that don't come here anymore. They're not going anywhere. I've checked on them. They're not going anywhere. What happened? Were they sincere when they said yes to God? Did they mean it? Evidently they didn't. We've got people that I've even talked to. Well, I don't know. I just, I just don't feel like I used to feel. I'm not getting anything. Why are you not getting anything? Why? You're doubting. You're hampering yourself. Get in God's word. See if what I'm saying up here does not line up with God's word. We hamper ourselves. We quench the spirit that wants to move in our life. How do you quench your spirit? You doubt. You lose your faith. You don't believe anymore. You've had some things happen in your life and you want to blame God for it. And if you'll stop and think, God had absolutely nothing to do with it. It was you. It was you. You brought it on yourself. And yet, we want to blame God. 
I thought you loved me. God says, I do. But God, why did you let this happen? Because I didn't, you did. You brought it on yourself. You decided you wanted this more than you wanted me. How many of us have done that? How many of us have went against God's word to do something because we wanted it? And God says, it's not good for you. I don't want you to have that. But if you want it, go ahead. And most of the time, when we did something like that, we regretted it. It wasn't what we really wanted. We didn't find that out until later. But God says, if that's what you want, do it. God is not going to force you to do anything. He gives you a free will to do what you want to do. You've got the free will to love Him, serve Him, to worship Him, to give Him your life, or you've got the free will to say, God, I don't want nothing to do with you. That's up to you. But who pays the consequences? There is consequences to not having God in your life. But one thing, at the end of that life, there's a burning hell. If you don't have God in your life, he who has the Son shall have eternal life. He who does not have the Son shall not have eternal life. But they shall have the wrath of God upon them. That is one thing we do not want is the wrath of God upon our lives. We don't want that. We want God's love, and he's got that love for us. But we have to accept that love. We have to want that love also. You know, here in this scripture, I'm gonna, it says, Matthew 24, 12, it says, And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax or grow cold. Iniquity. Iniquity is simply wickedness and sin. Look at the world that you are living in today. What is going on? Wickedness and sin are abounding. Some churches are trying to be closed. They're trying to close some churches. There's a church out in California, a pastor named John MacArthur. The governor of California is trying to close his church. Now they've even got a court order against that church. I saw that. This governor, I believe he is the nephew of Nancy Pelosi. They're doing everything they can to take God out of everything. They want churches closed. They know that God has a word. They know that God has a power. And if we allow God into our lives... You cannot be controlled like you can if you don't have God. We're being controlled right now. And a lot of us, we don't even realize it. They're telling us things, and then then they go and, and say different from what they just said. We have to wake up. We have to put God in our life. Make him first. Make our love for God above all other things. And when we do that, God is going to come into your life stronger than what he is now. He is going to be such a presence in your life, and that's what the enemy does not want. The enemy does not want the presence of God around Jesus said that the love of many would grow cold. He gave this answer to his disciples when they asked him a question. What will be the signs of your coming? When you come back, what can we look for? And this is what Jesus told them. He said, this is what it's going to be like when I come back. Matthew 24, verses 4 through 8. 
This is Jesus talking to his disciples. He got them alone. He said they privately come to Jesus and they ask Jesus this question. They wanted to know, what should we look for? This is what Jesus says. Verse 4, Matthew 24, verse 4 through 8. And verse 4 says, And Jesus answered and said unto his disciples, Take heed, or take warning, that no man deceives you. You've got false teachers, preachers, and all out there right now trying to deceive. Verse 5, For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Many people, when these false teachers come, they're going to believe it. Why? A lot of people have what the Bible calls itching ears. They're looking to hear something to satisfy them. That's what a false prophet, a false teacher does. They say whatever you want to hear to satisfy you and to draw you to them. That's a false teacher. And this has been going on ever since Christ walked the earth. Even Jesus Christ said there are many false teachers right now. They're out there trying to draw you away from the true Christ. You know, a lot of people, Jesus Christ, they say, is Christ his last name? You know what Christ means? Christ means the anointed one. The one from God. The anointed one. The one God anointed to come and take away our sins, to save us and to give us eternal life. Jesus Christ, when he came, he was anointed by God, his own son, to do what he did, to die on that cross, to save us. You might say he came to save us from ourselves. He came to save us, that we could have eternal life, to be with him for all eternity. You know, Jesus Christ said he created hell. Not for man, but for the devil and his, his demons. But so many people out there decided to follow the devil that you are now. If you do not have Christ in your life, if you have not accepted Christ, you are part of that crowd that's going to go to hell. That is God's wrath. That is God's punishment upon what Satan did to the people. You know, it said over in John, when we read about Lazarus, it said that the shortest verse in the Bible, John eleven thirty five, and Jesus will. That's all there is to it. Many people looked at oh, look at Jesus. Look how much he loved Lazarus. Look at him weep over Lazarus. Oh, he loved the family so much. Look how he weeps over the family and their loss. What Jesus was weeping about? He was weeping about Mary and all them crying, pouring out their hearts, the sadness that they had. He was weeping because of what sin had done to cause death and pain and sorrow. That's what Jesus was weeping about. Jesus was fixing to raise Lazarus back up. No, he wept. Because of all the sin, the wickedness, and all the sorrow that's going on out in this world. And you know, it's still going on. Even from this time, it hadn't changed. It's still going on. And here in verse 6, Jesus is still talking to his disciples. He says, And you shall hear of wars, rumors of wars, we have had so many rumors of wars that didn't take place, but we've had a number of wars that have taken place. And why is it that it seems like we, the United States, has to get involved in every one of them and not take care of what's going on here in our own home? We've got a war going on right here, right now. 
And a lot of us don't recognize it. We don't see it. There's a war going on right here. And that's to have the presence of God, to put God back in control of this America. So many have taken him out. They've taken his name out of so much stuff. They've pulled the Ten Commandments down off of the wall. In Congress, Nancy Pelosi had the Ten Commandments taken down. These are an evil, evil people. We're going to have to wake up. We're going to have to realize it. We need to get God back in charge of America. Like he once was. That's what our Constitution, everything was founded upon was God's Word. Now they're trying to change the Constitution. Did y'all notice that in the Democratic Convention, the National Anthem, they took under God out of it. They said it, but they said, one nation, indivisible, not under God. They took that out. Listen to it. Read about it. We've got an enemy going on right here at home. And we need to be praying for this country. We need to be praying that God really and truly puts in charge of the presidency who he wants in there. Who he wants. Not who we want, but who God wants. We don't know what, it's just like Jesus said, I don't understand. No, we don't understand maybe what God's plans are. But I'll guarantee you what, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ and he's in your life, the plans for you are going to be good. They're going to be good. So you shall hear wars and rumors of wars, but see that you not be troubled, or see that you don't worry about it. For these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. He said, these are the signs to look for when the end is getting close. He says, for nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There shall be famines. Famine is hunger, lack of food, food being scarce. Tommy, while I go up here, said that we, that we help with the backpack program. Many people here in Azel do not realize we've got children going home from school that may not have anything to eat over the weekend, not being at school. We don't know that. Lynn and I used to work and volunteer up here at the Community Caring Center. You cannot believe the number of people coming in to that caring center to get help for food. Right here in our own town. We don't realize this. But when you got children that's going home with nothing to eat, the school fills up this backpack, sends it home with those kids so they'll have something to eat over the weekend. That's what the church is asking you to help with when he talks about the backpack program. That the kids, when they go home, will have food to take home. to have something to eat. We don't realize the famine that's going on right here. you got people right now in this United States hungry. And that should not be. They should not be. Pestilence. Hey, when you see pestilence, what is pestilence? That is disease. What are we going through right now? We've gone through AIDS. We've gone through a thing called SARS. We go through the flus. We go through so much stuff. Even as we was talking about it earlier, more people have died from the flu and the complications of flu than they ever even thought about with this COVID. The numbers are not jiving with COVID. I knew a lady, and I'll say it. I'm not going to say her name, but I was talking to her. She said, my husband died of a heart attack. 
When the papers come back, it was listed as COVID. It was listed as COVID. Diseases. You know, years ago, there was a disease that, that took millions and millions of lives, mostly over in Europe. And it was simply called the Blue Bonnet Plague. But we defeated it. I'm going to put it like this. God defeated it. God can defeat anything that is coming against us today, His people. If we truly have God in our life, we're truly serving God, God's hand is upon you. He's watching over you. You know, I have been around all kinds of people in the hospitals, at their homes, and I knew that God's protection was upon me. I never caught anything or had anything from the people I went to visit. I'd anoint them with oil. I'd lay hands on them and I'd pray for them. But I trusted God. My faith was in God. God, I am your servant. I'm going into your people's house. I'm going to pray for them in your name. I love it. In the book of Job, when Satan came, Jesus was, or God was having a, a, a meeting with his angels and so forth. Satan shows up. He kind of interfered there. And God said, hey, have you ever considered my servant Job? You think you could do something to him? What did Job say? Well, I can't do anything to him. You've got your hedge of protection around him. That goes to show right there, when God's hedge of protection is around you, Satan cannot touch you. Pray for God's hedge of protection around you. Pray for around your family, your children, your grandchildren. Pray for God's hedge of protection to come around you and your family. Satan can't get to you. He couldn't get to Job until God lifted his hedge of protection. So Satan could try Job. He did, Satan did everything in the world to make Job come against God. Even Job's wife tried to get him to curse God. He said, she told Job, why don't you just curse God and die? For all that Job was going through, but Job's faith was too strong. He would not do it. And I say that Job was so much better from his loss he had so much more that God gave him because of his faithfulness to God. He blessed him with more and more than he ever had. That's the way God works. <coughs> earthquakes. We've had more earthquakes in the last few years and some of them way up in the six and sevens doing a lot of damage. God's word is it's taking place. It is coming true right now. But then God says something. He says, all these things that I have just mentioned and told you about, they are only the beginning of sorrows. Hey, it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. Where are you with God? Have you got God's hedge of protection around you? Time is getting close. You know, Jesus said there would be many false Christs that would show up. In Matthew 24, 5, it says, For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Somebody comes to you and says, Hey, Christ is here now. Let's go see him. Don't believe it. You're going to know when Jesus Christ comes back. Nobody's going to, have to tell you. 
He says there's going to be wars. You'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled for all these things must come to pass. Like I said, war after war after war is taking place. Some of them very small. Some of them have lasted for years and years. I know when I was in school, that year I graduated and everything, the Vietnamese War started. Look how long it lasted. Look at the war in Iran. Look at the war in Afghanistan. They just keep, keep, keep going. There's going to be strife and disasters, he said. We just read about it. Nations shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. That's the strife among the countries, the, the fighting and the warring, and, and they can't get along with each other. And there's going to be disasters, famines, pestilence, and earthquakes. He said, all this is going to take place. Don't be surprised when it comes. Jesus warned about the persecution of believers. Many believers right now are being persecuted that we don't even hear about, especially in other countries. China is one of the main ones. They are desperately seeking. They are even paying informants to tell them about churches and things going on over there. Jesus told us that we will be persecuted. He says, for I was persecuted. But don't give up. Don't quit trusting in me. Don't quit believing. Uh, Jesus said in, 20, in, in Matthew 24, 9 through 10, he's telling them, he says, then they shall deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. And you shall be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Look at all the nations around that hate the name Jesus Christ. All your Muslims do not believe in Jesus Christ at all. They don't even want to hear his name. There's many that do not believe Christ is the Son of God. Some believe he was a good man. Some believe he was a prophet Some and, and so forth. But not the Son of God that came to save us from our sins, to give us eternal life. They don't believe it. You're going to be persecuted until... Look at the disciples, how they were persecuted. You know, those disciples didn't have to die the death they died. But they knew in their heart, they knew for a fact that Christ had died, he had rose again, he had been resurrected, and they also knew that they, upon their death, would also be resurrected like Christ. They had the choice, the, the, the disciples. If you will deny Jesus Christ, you won't have to die. Some of them died very, very horrible deaths. But they knew, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. And that through him... They would also have eternal life. They would rise again and be in heaven. They chose that other than walking back out on that earth. They went through so much stuff, so much, but yet they would not deny Christ. What would it take for us to deny Christ? What would, what would somebody have to offer you for you to deny Christ? Because someday, that could happen. That's what he's saying. And then shall many in the church be offended, and they shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. He's saying that you will have a false believer in the church that never truly believed in Jesus Christ. He's going to be offended. It may be some of the things the preacher would say. He's going to, it's not going to be above them to report you to somebody, to tell somebody about what's going on in that church. We don't know how bad it's going to get before Christ comes back. We don't know. It's pretty bad here. Will we still be here? I hope not. 
I hope that rapture takes place before a lot of this stuff. But you know, I got to say, a lot of this stuff is going on right now. So we're on the verge of Christ coming back. We are on the verge. And then, like I said before I go, Matthew 24, 12, Jesus said, And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall grow cold. What's going to make the love grow cold? What's going to make us turn against God? What's going to make us deny Christ? It may be the influence of false teachers. Maybe the fear of persecution. Or it could be the fear of death. The faith of many so-called disciples will grow weak. There's going to be people in the church, their faith, they think, boy, I'll never deny Christ. What did Peter say? Lord, I will go with you through death. Jesus looked at Peter and said, Peter, let me tell you something. I love you, but you realize you're going to deny me three times before that rooster crows? Peter, he didn't think that he would ever deny Christ. But when he got down to it, he did. Three different times. Is that above us? Peter loved Jesus. But I've got to give some you know, credit here to Peter was in the flesh. He hadn't been filled with the Holy Spirit yet. He was working on his own self his own flesh. You've got something that Peter did not have. You've got the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you right now. Jesus said that he breathed on the disciples and gave them of the Spirit. But the true filling of the Holy Spirit didn't come until the upper room. And when that Spirit was poured out up there, Oh, bless his heart, poor old Peter. He went out and he preached to 3,000 people and they got saved because of being filled with the Spirit. Peter wasn't preaching on his own. He was preaching from the Spirit that was in him. The Spirit was speaking through him. Peter wasn't speaking on his own. That's what needs to take place. The Spirit needs to speak through us. The love toward God and toward the church says we'll grow cold. There will be many that will turn and walk away from God. Their love, their faith will grow cold. But true Christians whose faith may become maybe just a a little bit weaker, they're going to hold on and they're going to continue to the end with Christ. They're never going to deny him. Matter of fact, in Matthew 24, 13, listen to what Jesus says. But he that shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved. You're going to have eternal life. You endure to the end. You go through whatever you have to go through, just like those disciples did. He said, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to walk with you. You will endure to the end. A true believer has a true love for Christ. Have you ever asked yourself, how much do I truly love Christ? A true believer has a true love for Christ, which comes, you know where that comes from? It comes from the Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit, when when He comes upon you and enters your body, He brings a love for Christ like you could not imagine. That's where your love comes from. It's from the filling of the Holy Spirit. And when that Holy Spirit enters you, there's a love for Christ that cannot and it will not fail. You'll hold on. Here in 1 Corinthians 13, 7, it says, Though the Spirit, or through the Spirit, excuse me, through the Spirit, they shall bear all things. Whatever comes against you, you're going to bear all things and you're going to endure 
or you're going to be able to handle everything that comes against you through the power and the love of Christ that's in you. It's just, it, it, it's just like the Bible says, for greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. That spirit living on the inside of us. A true love for God will not become cold because it is kept strong by Christ. Do you realize that Christ, the Spirit, keeps you? Here, it keeps us from falling. It keeps us from slipping. Jude one twenty four says, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling, which is Christ, and to prevent your faultness before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Christ and the Spirit keep you from falling. But for those without the Spirit, they're without true love. They will grow colder and colder toward God in the last days. They will depart from God and they will depart from the church. The love of these people that they say they have for God is not a true love. It's not a true love. But it is a love for self only. It's a love for self only. Paul said those who say they love God and Christ and the people of God, it's a lie. Their goal is to gain glory and praise from men. That's kind of like the Pharisees. That was what they wanted, praise and glory from men. And this is their way. Religion is a way of gaining something for themselves. Through religion, they get the confidence of others that will trust in them and they will gain stuff for themselves. How can we be sure that the love we have for Christ will not grow cold? Have you ever just thought about it? How do I know that sometimes Something happens that my love for Christ will not grow cold. You ever thought about that? We begin by examining ourselves to be sure that we are truly in the faith. You know yourself better than anybody else. You know if you're beginning to get weak, you know if you're beginning to doubt. You know if you're beginning to quit reading your Bible, to quit praying. Those are the signs you better be aware of. When you examine yourself, if these things are going on in your life, you say, whoa, Lord, I'm beginning to slip. I'm beginning to slip. Let your Holy Spirit fill me to such a capacity, Lord, that my only desire is to love you, to read your word, to pray, to have fellowship with you, to get into my church, to have fellowship with the people in the church, to love them. We as a church should love each other with an unending love. We should love each other. Be there for each other. You know, it's just like yesterday when Ted and I went over to Julio's wasn't because we was trying to put on a show. It wasn't trying to, it's because we love Julio. We wanted to be there for him as he received the news of Elisa. We was there when she called him on the phone to tell him what the doctors had said. We were there to support him, to lift him up, to pray with him, to assure him of God's love, that God was there too. went because we loved him. Not because we were trying to, oh, did you see that? Oh, Ted and Bill went over there and seen Julio. Oh, wasn't that good of them? Wasn't they great people? No. We went over there because we loved Julio. See, some of y'all, some of y'all probably never would have known we went over there if we hadn't told you. But the only reason I told you was because I want you to pray for Julio to know what's going on. 
Simply out of love. Simply out of love. You care about somebody, you want to help them. You know, we examine ourselves to be sure we are truly in the faith. Listen to what it says here in 2 Corinthians verse 13. I mean, excuse me, chapter 13, verse 5. It tells us, examine yourselves whether you be in faith. Have you ever done that? Examine yourself to say, have I slacked up on my Bible reading? Have I slacked up on my praying? Have I slacked up on thanking God? Have I slacked up on praising God? Even though I haven't seen it, I know I'm, he's going to do it. Have I slacked up on praising him before I ever see it? Have I slacked up on serving God? You know if you have or not. Now, before it gets any worse, it's time to stop it. To turn it around. And say, God... Come back into my life stronger and stronger than you've ever been. I want to serve you. Know you not your own selves. You know your own selves. You know what you're doing when you're not here. How that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobates. He's saying if Jesus Christ isn't in you and you don't want nothing to do with Jesus Christ, he's calling you a reprobate. Who knows what a reprobate is? A reprobate are those who are left in their fallen human nature to continue in their sin and to be eternally damned. That's a reprobate. They're worthless. They're no good to anybody. They're not even good to themselves. Said, unless you be like a reprobate. Jesus tells it like it is because he wants us to understand. I'm going to ask the band to come up. And if you're here today and you feel like, Lord, I don't, I'm not sure I'm truly where I should be with you. I'm not sure, Lord, I'm Praying like I should. Are you reading your Bible like you should? Are you studying God's Word? When you get up and come to church, is it because you want to come to church? Or because you feel like, well, if I don't go, somebody's going to be calling me and ask me where I'm at? No. You come to church because you love God. You love God's word. You love to pray. You love the people in the church. You want to be there for them. You want to be around them. They want to be around those that love God too. We have to ask ourselves these questions. Where am I at with God? Where are you at with God? What is your relationship with God? Do you have a relationship? Do you think about God through the day? Do sometimes just out of the nowhere you start praying? You start thanking God. Thanking Him for your family. Thanking Him for your life. Thanking Him for your job. Thanking Him for His security that He has placed on the inside of you. To give Him the thanks and the praise. Many of us think it's us. No, it's God. It's God's love. So if you are, feel like you're falling behind on your Bible study, reading the Bible, praying, now's the time to come to God and say, Lord, I need to be restored. Do you know that God will restore what the enemy has stolen? You're starting to feel like this. You've got an enemy coming against you, stealing your faith, your love, the wanting to read the Bible. He's throwing things in there that's going to try to keep you from praying, from reading the Bible. He's going to put distractions in your life. You're going to sit there and be reading your Bible, and all of a sudden the doorbells start ringing. This start happening. 
People start coming by. They're going to interrupt your Bible study. That's what the devil does. Praise God, I thank him that I get up about 4 o'clock in the morning and I don't have nobody coming to my door. Ringing my doorbell. I don't really generally have a telephone ringing. Every now and then, Because my car warranty is going out of date. <laughs> and, you know, but I'm, I'm, I make my time for God early in the mornings when it's just me and God. I can talk to Him. I can worship Him. If I want to pray, I can just get right down on the floor and just spread eagle, prostrate myself before God, and just thank Him for everything. I don't know. To me, that's a way of just really humbling yourself is get down, lower, as low as you can get and give God the credit and glory. To love Him. To let Him know you love Him. So I'm going to ask the band to play, but if you're here today and you feel like, well, I've got some things slipping in my life that I need a new relationship. Maybe you're saying that. I think I said it last week. You ever heard that old saying that you've done something and you want to do it over? You say, hey, can I get a do-over? Can I do it again? Well, God is a God of do-overs. He'll let you do it again. If you come to him, you say, Lord, I need a do-over. You got it. Let's do it over. Let's start over. It's up to you. So I'm going to ask the man to play, but if you need a do-over today, today is the day to come to God.